I'm Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Hey Kids Comics. From file A56-7W, classified top secret subject is... Hey Kids Comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better... Of Hey Kids Comics. All new and all too true freakish. For the start of our new year, we decided to look back on an event that shapes the future of Marvel Comics last year Avengers vs. X Men. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. You did. I did. You decided. Uh, yes, welcome to our, our newly bedecked Hey Kids HQ. Bedecked out with Senior Domanzo's finest yep. technology. Which he, he kindly bequeathed to us when we, we became an official kindly. member of the clan. We had to paint some more. Well, yeah, yeah. He keeps introducing these clauses into this contract. I'm, uh, I'm particularly impressed. Just pray he does not alter it further. <laughs> um, I'm particularly impressed with the, the technological advances that we now have. Yeah. The 8-track uh, the that he gave us, yeah. I was very impressed with. Um, I'm quite looking forward to the best of Boney M, mm-hmm. which uh, we have here. And uh, what's this other one he sent us? The best of David's soul. <laughs> Don't give up on us, baby. And uh, what's this other one? This, this one here. Abba's greatest hits. Well, well, well. Thank we you. We have three of them now. Thank you, Senior Demanzo, for for those 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 eight tracks. We we, we appreciate that. Um, the Betamax recorder arrived yesterday. I was I was quite impressed to see that one still functioned. Yeah. After all this time, but apparently this is Senior Demanzo's cutting edge right. of technology. Uh, it came with a copy of Star Crash, <laughs> a 1978 movie starring David Hasselhoff. <laughs> so again. I think when he looked at what we did, and he's, he's Star Wars, Star Trek, he's seen the word star, <laughs> and he's thought, this will do, they will love it, over in jolly old England. Yeah. Yes. This passes for fine entertainment. Yes, yes. No, Star Crash really doesn't <laughs> pass for fine. I mean, Carolyn Monroe's in it, I suppose. But, you know, so's David Hasselhoff, <laughs> so. Rough with the smooth. Yeah. So thank you, Senor Demanzo, for, for welcoming us in that, that fine way. That, uh, that we, we, I, I know I'm uncharacteristically speechless yeah. about that. I think if we flog that 8-track on eBay, we'll get some money for it. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Right. He'd probably be offended, wouldn't he? He might. If we sold it on eBay. Unless he didn't find out. Oh, they, they know everything. He knows all, he sees all. They're watching us. Yeah, he's like you are too. In this new HQ. Yeah, in our new 
newly newly designed Hey Kids HQ. Yeah. Yes. With uh, the I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. And I'm not sure about the stripper pole. <laughs> but anyway, I'm not sure here that's far actually. There's no one here but us. Enough about the decor. I'm hoping he's not expecting us to perform. <laughs> uh, as with the norm, we are kicking off with emails. I say singular. emails. Email singular. Yes. Our Christmas episode startled people. Mm. Prodigal. Prodigal must have been a huge mistake. Yeah. Because nobody's bothered emailing in about it. Oh, everyone's everyone's doing the Christmas shopping, so hasn't had the time. That's true. Listener listener figures do go down yeah. over the Christmas period. And uh, we should say Happy New Year to everybody, shouldn't we? Yes, yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm Happy still year. Andrew Leyland. And I'm still Michael Leyland. We haven't changed. No. Only the decor has changed. Yeah. We've now got horrible 70s wallpaper. Which and and he sent me these leopard print boxer <laughs> shorts to wear, but I'm sorry, I'm throwing a line there. I've got flares and big collared shirts. I'm, I'm, I don't mind that. <laughs> I got the bloody leopard print. So no, no, I'm sorry, senior demands. I am not wearing the leopard print boxer shorts with the elephant trunk. <laughs> um, our our He's disappointed. Our one man. Our, is he dying? Oh, I, I'm he, sure he, sounds a, like, he sounds like an old man. I'm sure he'll make a startling recovery. He has all those robots. Senior Demanzo has access to bionics. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be fine. Android Granted, Demanzo. if his bionics are as up-to-date as his other technology, one suspects he'll be running around with an egg whisk hanging out of his arm. But <laughs> the six-dollar man. The six-dollar man. <laughs> the six-yen man. <laughs> what do they have in Italy now? Do they have the euro? Um, Did they foolishly join with the euro? Unless they still have the Italio. <laughs> the Italio, whatever the Italian currency was. Senior demands has probably got yeah. tons of it hoarded away. So our one, count them, one email tonight is entitled General Thoughts Prodigal Part 2. And it is from Knox Van Horn. Which is a pretty kick-ass name. It's a great name. Hi, Knox. It's nice to hear from you. Hello, wonderful Leylands. Hello, Knox. You, you, my friend, have the distinct, I was going to say advantage, but it's not really the right word, pleasure, yeah. privilege of being the first email. The first email <coughs> to come to our new home <coughs> here in Hey Kids, Two True Freaks HQ. I'm the first email of the year. I'm the first email of the year. It's very true. Even though we sent this on the 10th of December. Yeah. He is the first email of the year. Which is how, you know, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey works. How we roll. This is my first ever time emailing into a podcast, let alone this one. Knock starts. And I would first like to preface this email by saying how much I enjoy your podcast. Well, thank you very much. We are flattered to be his first. We are, we, are, we are flattered that you chose to email us first. Especially because if you hadn't, we wouldn't have an email section True. this week. So Look at all that good you'd inadvertently do. Yeah, double kudos <laughs> for that. I am very new into comics, having only started getting into them in the last few months. And so when I first began to podcast with Johnny Freeberg on how to make a geek, ah, he's been paying attention, <laughs> slips in a plug for his own yeah. show, into the bit of the email where he's complimented us. And you know, yep. it's a trick I never get bored of. Yeah. I applaud you. complimented at the same time. Yeah, I applaud you. I applaud everyone who yeah. does that in their emails. And that's a, an astonishingly clever idea. I didn't really know what I was doing or what I was talking about. Uh, oh, I wouldn't worry about that, Knox. We, 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 we frequently have no idea what we're doing or what we're talking about. 
Nox's email continues, he told me about this podcast, so I went and gave it a listen. I will tell you honestly that y'all, hey, he slipped in a y'all as well. I've been one of my... making notes of it. I'm sure he has. Well, for the first email, you want to slide in a couple of things that they like before you lower the boom of, actually, that episode you did about yada, 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 suck moose. But we've not got there yet. We're still in the, the complimentary and also the plugging his own podcast phase, which is good. Y'all, I always say that right, wrong, do I? I Y'all. Y'all have been one of my biggest inspirations and driving forces for getting into and reading comic books. Seriously, that uh, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. I like to think if we've shared our love of the four-colour medium we call comics, which we is neither four colours anymore, yes. or um, print for much longer. You know, the minute it stops being print, I'm out. Really? I think so. I'm, I'm not down with this whole paying for digital. Yeah. If you're paying, a, like they've just advertised an album on TV that's ten ninety nine on iTunes. You can go and buy the CD for cheaper than that. You can. This you go to HMV now. CDs aren't even a tenner. Like oh, that's what I mean. priced at fourteen or thirteen. No, the, the new releases are, are a tenner. Really? Yeah. Sometimes cheap. The new Green Day albums are already in three for 15 quid. Bad? Mm. That bad? No! Well, maybe it's just because you can buy all three for 15 quid. HMV was struggling at Christmas, so they'll be in a, in a slump. Anyway, Knox's email continues. I don't think I would like comics nearly as much if it wasn't for you and your wonderful podcast, and so I'd like to take this opportunity to say thanks. Well, you're very welcome. We're glad you enjoyed it. We're glad you have introduced you to the wider world of comic books. Because I think digital's hurt comics more than anything else. Yeah. There's always been movie piracy from as long as there have been videotapes well, and you can plug videos into each other. doing just as much good for comics as it has been bad, yeah. More people will be reading digital now. Uh, but are they paying for them? There is that as well. Is the thing. So there's yeah. always been music piracy because yes. of cassettes. You've never really been able to pirate a comic until now. Mm. And I don't know what I think about it. I don't know whether I think that's well, damaging the industry. Yeah, uh, but on the same hand, they're so ridiculously priced. Yes, digital comics should be 99p. Yeah. Or 99 cents. Well, the, uh, like, the comicology do sales. So, I mean, you, you, at one point you could have gotten all the 52 for 99p each. I know, but you're still paying 52 quid for the lot of it. It's cheaper than what you would have paid. It's cheaper than the omnibus, yeah. I suppose. Anyway, uh, yes, thank you, Knox. We appreciate that. We, we hope you're enjoying your comics that... Uh, that we have, have helped you discover. That's brilliant. We love that. Uh, now on to Prodigal. Being a somewhat new reader, I have sadly not had the opportunity to actually read Prodigal as of yet, so forgive me for not being as up to scratch as others who email in. Nox, you're the only one who's emailed in this week, so <laughs> I wouldn't worry about being up to scratch with anybody else. You are it. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, you're the top of the heap. Firstly, I was extremely happy with your positive attitude towards Dick Grayson as Batman. Batman is my favourite character, and I very much like the Grayson incarnation, especially when he works with Tim Drake. Not so much with Damien, who I'd rather like to push off a bridge into shark-infested lava waters at times. You and me both, mate. (laughs) From this episode and the last, I've also gathered a lot on Two-Face in this story. I very much agree with you that I am happy he's not the main villain of the whole piece. I think it does much more for a long story arc such as this to have a little variety in who its antagonists are, especially if the story is more about the heroes than the villains. Also, I very much agree with the fact that everyone being surprised that Dick can cook and clean for himself as being a bit odd, although in the new 52, Nightwing, it's more understandable. Whenever they show his flat, it always looks absolutely filthy. 
all in all, I very much enjoyed this episode, just as I have every episode I've had the pleasure of listening to, and I can't wait to listen to the next one. Thanks for over 100 episodes of wonderful podcasting, guys, Knox Van Hall. Thank you very much, Knox. We appreciate you emailing in. We're very we're flattered, actually, that you've uh, we have introduced you to the wonderful, wacky world of comic books. And um, I, I will check out your podcast that you do with Johnny Freeberg, How to Make a Geek. And I suppose we, we'll put that trailer in this week as well. Yeah. Seeing as you're the only one who emailed in. Mm-hmm. Well, not, not even Luke sent an email. No, not even Luke this week. But Luke's been busy this week. Has he? Yeah, he's, I've emailed him independently of the show. Uh-huh. And he's been a busy bunny. Uh-huh. So we hope you had a good Christmas, Luke. In fact, we hope everybody had a good Christmas. Let's not single people out. Let's, look, let's spread peace and love. Peace and love. I wonder if uh, Signor Demanza would uh, remember what he gave <laughs> us if, it, we, if we wrap him up and give him back to him as a late Christmas present. If we send him back to him as a present, yeah. do you think he'll notice? Yeah. Senior Demanza, no, he seemed a bit adult to me when he came round. Mm. Landed his jet in the street, didn't endear him to the neighbours, did it? Not really. No. Mm. Maybe that's. Anyway, well, go on. Maybe that's why the new headquarters came from, so he didn't have to land in the street. Possibly. I, I thought he'd have, like, a, an Erwolf-esque helicopter. Yeah. Um, I was quite impressed to or, see that he had a, a single jet engine. Or Thunderbird 2. Yeah. Oh, Thunderbird 2 would have been awesome! <laughs> yeah. What if Senior Demanzo's got a Thunderbird 2? He seems to have everything else. Yeah. If I asked him nicely, do you think he'd send me a 1969 Dodge Charger? Very nicely. Mm. It's a try, isn't it? Mm. I mean, just look at Scott Gardner's uh, gold card. I don't think he got that from Senior Demanzo. No. Anyway, Nox Van Horn and Johnny Freiberg do a podcast and we're going to plug that right now and then we'll be right back with Michael's pick. God, Johnny, I know nothing about comics. Do I have a solution for you? Hmm, riddle me your solution, good sir. Do you know what a podcast is, Nox? What? A podcast. It's like a radio show, but it's on the internet and people talk about things. Well, here's my thought. What if we did a podcast about geek stuff? Genius! Right? So, here's my thoughts. I bring some sort of geek thing to the table, we both read or watch it, then we cover it from my perspective of being a geek my whole life, and your perspective of, well, not. I like it. I like it a lot. Alright. But what shall we call this podcast about? I think I've got it. How to make a geek in 60 minutes! How to Make a Geek in 60 Minutes with Knox Van Horn and Johnny Frapper. You know, Scott's actually spoken to us for ages. He's not spoken to anyone for ages. Has he not? No. Okay. He's, he's off. He's not done a podcast for ages. Mm-hmm. Well, I did Star Trek Monthly Monday. Yeah. Shag did Star Wars Monthly Monday. Well, Michael Bailey did Comics and Commentary Monthly Monday. Right. But nobody knows. He's disappeared. I reckon he was searching for POWs in Vietnam. Right. Oh, he's been recruited by Zur <laughs> to help fight the Kordan Armada. I saw that Facebook. I thought that, that was my, they're my favourite conspiracy theory. Uh, fair enough. Or well, maybe he is Signor Demanzo. We That's never... true, we've never seen him in the same room. <laughs> oh no. Now you, you think he was wearing one of those Mission Impossible face masks? Kind of. That would explain <laughs> so much! Scott Gardner is Signor Demanzo! It all falls into place. Golly. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's an excellent disguise, it I'll give him that. It's like he becomes a whole different actor. 
Mm. You know, just like in the Mission Impossible <laughs> movies. <laughs> Are we back? Yes. Are we, we doing that? We're, we're back. Are we keeping that in? We may as well keep all that in, yeah. And we're back. And we're back. Yes. The only problem with that is, he's probably been back ages. Yeah. And that'll be out of date. Probably. Okay. Unless he's not. Unless he's not. No, unless he's still fighting the Kodan Armada. Or maybe in the next couple of weeks he comes out as Senior Demands and then we look like we're late to the party. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like it was an astonishingly good idea that you just came up with. Mm. Yeah. Now that you mention it, I'm sure he was wearing a Captain America t-shirt, Senior Demanza. Yeah. It's very similar to Scott's Captain America t-shirt. And that pink Star Wars t-shirt. Yeah, his, his Asian hooker was wearing that, though. Yeah. That ex- Yeah! <laughs> you know, the more you, you, you point out the similarities, Scott is Senor Demanza. Hmm. I'm so sure yes. he's Senor Demanza. I am going to go to the, the, the Niagara Falls and throw myself <laughs> off. And see if he rescues me. Senior Demanza. No, actually, I don't think that's what would work with it. Senior Demanza doesn't look like he could walk down a flight of stairs without help. Maybe that's why he has so many Asian hookers. Maybe they're not there for the... No, they're there to help him up downstairs. But see, Scott's a robust fella. So... It's all part of his act. You think? Yeah. He's an exceptionally good actor. Wow. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> now that we have unveiled the secret identity of Senior Demanzo, because there's no way you're not going to convince me that's not true. You heard it here first, folks. You did. Um, I'm handing over the con to Michael for what is his pick for this week's episode. Avengers vs. X-Men started off as a double-page advert showing off the Phoenix and the creative team, and then became known as a battle royale between the two most well-known Marvel teams. At the time, I was reading through Bennis' Avengers run, and would soon be reaching the miniseries. However, I didn't read it as it came out because of how I was reading the Avengers, and I had to wait for all of Bennis' Avengers Assemble arc to finish before reading Versus. Yeah, one thing I, I think we need to point out at this point. Um, Michael can't read anything until he has all of it, and every tie-in, and every spin-off, and then he sat down and put them all in the right order. Yeah. And only then can Michael read it. Yeah. He's waited till Hellblazer got cancelled before he read all 300 of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it wasn't that I was reading through Bendis' events and then the... I know, I was... Came out. Comedy, comedy, comedy exaggeration book. is what I was doing. I wouldn't say exaggeration. No. Or no. comedy for that matter. No. I'm shutting up now. <laughs> you, you, you carry on with your show. Okay. <laughs> Avengers vs. X-Men actually started a long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. Yes, mainly in the X-Books, and is seeds planted in X-Men Schism and the Children's Crusade, but the event actually officially started in Marvel Point 1. Whilst the Watcher sleeps and uploads his memory into the Watcher main computer, two unknowns sneak on board his ship and witness, amongst other things, Nova being pursued across the universe by the Phoenix. Having witnessed the death of Hope Summers and the Avengers torturing the X-Men, Cable decides to go back and assassinate the Avengers, but is stopped by Scott and Hope Summers and dies from the future nanomachine virus that he has. Who is Hope Summers? She was the first mutant born after Wanda's No More Mutants. Right, so she's not from the future. No. Because I kept mixing her up with Rachel Summers. Because of that, she became the mutant messiah and everyone was after her. So right. Cable took her, went to the, went back to the future, his present da, with her, da, da, raised her, da, 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 and then da, da, she came back. Da, da, da. Right. 
Okay. So she's not actually a relation of Scott Summers. She could be. Right. So why is she called Summers? Um, because... <laughs> she just is. She was with Cable, so... Oh. Cable was like a dad, so... And who's Cable, then? Um, isn't Cable Scott's son? Is he? Yeah. I've lost track of who Cable was supposed to be, because it's a long time ago since I read any Cable comics. Liffield. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Anyway, carry on! The main event kicked off with Avengers vs. X-Men Zero, with a cover date of May 2012. The cover is pretty fantastic, especially without any of that logo on it. And is uh, by Frank Cho and shows Hope Summers within the cloak of the Scarlet Witch. Just not like that. What's the Avengers stand behind? Oddly, for an Avengers vs. X-Men comic, it only has one cover. It, yeah. No, it has a variant cover, I just couldn't find it anymore. Oh, right, okay. All the others have about eight covers, don't they? Yeah. The thing is, that's even better. I found a picture on the internet where the Avengers vs. X-Men logo isn't on it, so you can see the pencils of the Avengers. Yeah, they're kind of obscured by the because logo. they are the best part of that cover. Mm. It's an alright cover. It, it signifies the two main protagonists of the series from the get-go. Well, so, one of them. Well, the other well Scarlet Witch starts off as a main protagonist and then just kind of disappears. She, she watches TV in the first issue. Mm. It was written by Brian Bendis and Jason Aaron with art by Frank Cho. Coloured by Jason Keith and lettered by Chris Eliopoulos and had way too many editors on one book. Is it not Eliopoulos? <laughs> it could Oh, be. God, yeah? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six editors, one publisher and an executive producer. Yeah, it says an executive producer because comics are TV shows now. Yeah. Apparently. Hmm. Dr. Udaku, a former, <laughs> a former AIM scientist, is being protected by the police and the Wakandan ambassador in a convoy until Modok and his gang of robo-aliens show up to kill him. They get pretty close until the Scarlet Witch shows up to save the day. She does pretty well on her own, but gets tied up by the Modok tentacles. Hentai! Spider-Woman and Miss Marvel show up and stop Modok. Wanda beats herself up over not being as good as she wants to be, but Marvel and Spidey take her to Avengers Mansion. When they arrive, Vision shows up and yells at her for using his body to destroy the mansion and kill and injure others. Wanda apologises and breaks into tears as Marvel flies her away. Vision walks away, also in tears. Aww. Um, <clears throat> this is essentially Scarlet Witch versus Hope Summers. Well, I've already mentioned I had no idea who Hope Summers was. It's not really a versus, they never meet. No, you know what I mean. It's, it's those two are the central people, and the idea is that those two will be the central protagonists throughout the entire series, and that's not really how it, it plays out. Um, I've not read X-Men for over 20 years, which makes me feel very old. But I'm hoping they're going to bring me up was to Claremont speed. Claremont still writing it? <laughs> Claremont was still writing it were? when I stopped reading the X-Men. I've not read the X-Men regularly since Mark Silvestri was on the book. Chris Claremont was still writing it when, well, I, when I stopped reading when the X-Men. When Silvestri was last on it, Morrison was writing it. No, Silvestri first time round. Yeah, no, Before I was, I was, you were born. <laughs> was he still a Jim Lee knockoff? Yes, but not quite. Uh. I'm trying to remember what storylines they were. I know Mark Silvestri was drawing it anyway. Was it, hey Luke, bikinis? Hey look, death. Hey look, no feet. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, I like the first page, which is uh, like a little 70s movie poster with all the little boxes mm. with all the characters in. And I like that Wolverine and the Beast straddle both lines. Because they're Avengers both Avengers. And X-Men. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, the X-Men look hopelessly outnumbered. 
In this issue, yeah. Yeah, that will change. Oh, yeah. Obviously, as we go along. But on that one, it, it looks quite good. Um, going through the book, in panel two of page one, there's a woman jogging. What the hell is she doing? The Frank Whitler. There, there is no way <laughs> she can run like that. Because her pendulous boobs make it look like she's going to fall over at any minute. <laughs> Granted, she's well padded, so she wouldn't break her nose or anything. But look at look at the... No, I'm sorry. Who drew this? Frank Cho. Frank Cho drew this. Um, and the art, for the most part, is pretty good. But I don't know who he's been watching going out running. Because that don't look like no runner I've ever watched. Is this the Frank Whitley art stuff? No, Frank Whitley draws everyone look like old men. Yeah. Including the women. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, this is Scarlet Witch's first public appearance since House of M. After No More Mutants, she went into hiding, but was found by Clint Burton during his travels. Clint didn't know who she was, slept with her, and never saw her again. However, she showed up again some time ago, and I think it was the Children's Crusade, but I've never read that, so I don't know what happens in it. Scarlet Witch is a lot more buxom than she used to be. She's wearing more clothes than she used to. No, no, she always wore... That's her, her old school costume. Is it? Yeah, that's yeah. the costume she wore when I read The Avengers regularly, yeah. which was back... Oh, God, because she wasn't in The Avengers when Roger Stern was doing it. So I haven't, I haven't read The Avengers since George Perez and Kurt Busiek were doing it. So that's going back a bit as well. Yeah, well, that was only after Heroes Reborn. One of the things I did like yeah. was how easy it was to get up to speed. The yeah. X-Men, not so much as the Avengers. The Avengers was pretty easy to just drop back into. Yeah. But yeah, I've not struggled with any of this. I've not been sat there going, who's that? Mm. What's that doing? Why are they like that? Which there's is a quite couple surprising because a lot of it is called back to very early Bender stuff. Yeah, and so it's it's quite well structured in that way that mm. I've not been sat there going, I don't know who that is. Hope Summers, I'm still not sure who she is. I'm not sure who she is. I just roll with it. Yeah, the best way. Yeah, it does. It does seem like to be the best way to approach it. Um, Scarlet Witch's fight with Modok, which is pretty cool because mm. I do like Modok. And in true, um, in true supervillain fashion, he talks a lot. Yeah, you can because just on his side, you know. They exposit quite a bit, don't they? And uh, Scarlet Witch says to him, "Oh, you're going to talk a lot, aren't you?" Which I thought was really funny and ironic in a Bendis comic. Indeed. But there's a lot of there's been a lot of fight scenes in Bendis' Avengers where it's a, supposed to be a fight scene, but everyone stops and talks for twenty pages and then they get blown up. Yeah, see, there's not been a lot of that in this. No, which I, I, I it think, might be because there's three other writers. There's four, isn't there? There's Bendis, there's Fraction, Hickman, Hickman. Is it Hickman? Yeah, is it? There's so there's quite a few writers it's involved Bendis in this. Fraction. Bendis Fraction. Jason Aaron yeah. is involved in it somewhere along the line. And the other one must be Hickman. Yeah. Yeah, so there's quite a few writers involved in it. I presume it's Bendis' plot, though. Well, unless it's all of them, because it's not just Avengers, it's X-Men as well. Yeah. I know, but it, this feels like a Bendis idea to me. Yeah. And given that he's been the key, given the keys to the kingdom, whether you agree with that or not, you know, I don't. I quite liked... Ms. Marvel. Is she still Ms. Marvel in this or is she Captain Marvel now? She's Ms. Marvel. She's Ms. Marvel in this but she's Captain Marvel now. Yeah. Isn't she? She's Carol Danvers. Um, who we mentioned in the Christmas show? Carol Danvers? Yes. We she had Jonah Jameson fired yeah. from working at the Daily Bugle. For some and reason. now she's in the Avengers. And now she's in the Avengers which She's is pretty cool. Um, the Vision's a complete tosser, isn't he? Um, at the end of this. I disagree. Why? Because this conversation is 
really quite sad in context because during Avengers Assemble, Vision blew up the Avengers mansion, killing Scott Lang and injuring others. Um, Hulk, She-Hulk went crazy and ripped him apart, and Wanda was revealed to be the one behind it and controlling him to kill everyone else. So it's pretty easy to see how he'd be this annoyed at her. Right, see, I didn't, I've, I didn't know any of that Eight. backstory. Is that why they're now living in a big tower? Um... No, they always because they blew up Avengers Mansion. Yeah, right. The what happened is the Avengers were living in the several uh, Avengers towers, and the new Avengers, which was Luke Cage's team, right, were living in the mansion. Right. But um, Vision only came back in Avengers twenty four point one, which was a couple of issues ago, con- continuity wise, thanks to Tony Stark, and was told everything then. So this is all new to him. So did Tony Stark's rebuilt the Vision? Yeah. Right. Okay. But he still has emotions. Yes. Uh, I do like page 14. Mm. I like the, the panel structure. Um, there's an awful lot of people not talking, <laughs> so it doesn't take you long to read. Uh, I do like that Wolverine's very... His car. Yeah. Tony's like, you're a bit mean to her, and Wolverine's <laughs> like, screw it. And then we get a call back to even an android can cry, which was a Roy Thomas Avengers story from many, 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 many years ago. Were you still reading it back then? No, that was before me, actually. Yes, strangely enough, that was was before me. Um, The Avengers do call him out on on being a bit of a toss pot, but all right, if you're saying that this fits in with continuity. Uh, A couple of things that interested me, though. One, Scott Lang's not dead. Not now. Of course! How how foolish of me! (laughs) (laughs) So Scott Lang was dead. Yes. But now Scott Lang's not dead. Yes. Excellent. I'm sure someone sent an email and explained how he came back. I think somebody did, didn't they? Yeah. But anyway, he's not dead now. But he's he's got better. Yeah. All right. Fair Death enough. Death is not the obstacle it once was. No, no, no. Apparently not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second story is Cyclops and Hope Summers talking. Essentially. Essentially, yeah. Yes. Hope Summers is about to take off from Utopia with a jetpack until she's stopped by Scott. The two bicker about Hope being the mutant messiah and the host for the Phoenix when it arrives. Scott tries to stop Hope, but she laser eye beams him and flies into San Francisco where she sees a bank robbery happening. The bank is being robbed by the Cobras, the Snakes, the Python Patrol. But she stops them and almost beats them to a pulp until Scott and Emma Frost show up and stop her. Hope says that she's ready for the Phoenix when it comes. Um, the X-Men live on an island called Utopia. Yes. Just off the coast of San Francisco. Are they still hiding for everyone, or does everyone know the are now? Everyone knows the are. Right. Okay. Just before Secret Invasion, the X-Men settled in San Francisco and were generally accepted by the community and the government. Right. Um, during Norman Osborn's Dark Raid, Was that though, before No More Mutants? No, House of after. After House of Emperor. Um, during Norman Osborn's Dark Reign, Scott decided to take all the mutants and place them on a newly made utopia to avoid persecution, as utopia counted as his own country. Right. During Schism, though, the X-Men were split up when Scott wanted to train the new mutants and use them as soldiers, whereas Logan wanted to train them to be heroes. Uh, topped off with an attacking sentinel, and you get two X-Teams, Scott Soldiers and Logan School. So that also explains the split, though. And it also explains the animosity now between Scott and Logan. Yes. But they've never really been best mates. Even not. No. Okay. Un- unless it's written by uh, Rick Redeemer, and then suddenly he's, he's best friend, and suddenly Xavier's plan was so good. And... Yeah, there is that. Yeah. What else have we read recently where there was a gang of snake-related villains? Was it Batman? It could be, but I play Metal Gear Solid a lot. There's 
snickering. I'm sure when I was reading this, it was like one of those deja vu all over again things. Yeah. Where like, I'm sure we'd read something else I recently. I thought they were the snake people in the Invincible. Yeah, because there's a lot of them as well, yeah. isn't there? Um, I, I did like them, but why would you name yourself Puff Adder? That's just oh, asking Spider-Man to take the piss out of you, isn't it? <laughs> One of them's called Bushmaster, so... <laughs> oh... <laughs> Dear God. Um, I wasn't quite sure what to make of this upon because reading it. It just gives you more questions without answers. Yeah, on the one hand, it's unfair to judge a single issue that is part of an overall extended narrative. I'm sorry, you weren't saying that when we covered... As, no, 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 no. As I have learned from from that. I mean, that that's what I was saying. As has been pointed out to me before. Hi, Stephen. Um, that when you're looking at a single piece of the jigsaw puzzle, it is not fair to judge that single piece of the jigsaw puzzle. You have to look at the whole thing. Alright, fine. You're still um, not going to read New X-Men, though. No. Um... On the other hand, this is the first issue of, of the prologue, anyway. So it seems totally fair to judge it as a single self-contained story. But it isn't, is it? No. There is no way this is a single self-contained story. Scarlet Witch, as the person who removed tons of mutants from House of M, gets a show in. But it doesn't make any effort to introduce the overarching plot, apart from an, an appearance sorry, by the Phoenix Force at the end. And all the stuff with Hope Summers just initially got me slightly confused. Because I remember a character I think I've just mentioned at the top of the show called Rachel Summers, who was Scott and Jean Grey's kid from the future. Who became the Phoenix. Did she? Yes. Think, yeah. She became a Phoenix around the time of Secret Wars 2. Mm-hmm. Around X-Men 200-ish. Yeah. When it was Claremont and John Romita Jr. Well, she's in this later anyway. Right, so Rachel's in it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so she's a completely different character. All right, fine. Uh, I did kind of want a major crossover to start with a bang. Mm. But issue one does. Yeah. And there is an argument that you don't really need this zero issue it's, to enjoy Avengers vs. X. It was supposed to be in a recap, but it was only half a recap. Right. Yeah. So, I presume Phoenix Force and No More Mutants is going to be a big part of the plot. Well, um, the Phoenix, yeah. But the No More Mutants, I only know is a big part of the plot because of the internet. Right. <laughs> the internet told you that, did it? Cursed, cursed internet. The accursed internet. I mean, it wasn't awful. I didn't read this and think, God, I've got to read 13 more issues of this drivel. No. And as we get into Avengers vs. X-Men 1, I'm actually really quite digging on this. Yeah. To be honest with you. It's, it's pretty fun if you don't think about it for too long. Yeah, that's what, as a big mindless slugfest. <laughs> yeah. It's perfectly serviceable, but we'll, we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So go on, tell us about some crossover comics. Well, next is Infinite One. Uh, the Infinite comics are digital comics uh, that take place in and around the main event. Not much happens in them, but they look pretty cool. And we'll be covering, me- covering them anyway, just for completion's sake. Because you're nothing if not a completist. Uh, no. no. Uh, the cover is by Stuart Immanum. And shows Nova flying at sonic speed towards us. The issue was written by Mark Wade, with interior art by Eminem. Martig Immanent. by Chris Eliopoulos. Stuart Immanent. And edited by only one editor, Nick Lowe. Stuart Immanent. Immanent. Go on. 
Nova, still being pursued by the Phoenix from Marvel Point One, crashes to Earth and alerts the Avengers that it's coming before passing out. The end. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> 68 pages, this well, digital comic is. It's animated, so... And that was it. That was the plot. Yeah. Um, actually, I thought this was interesting. It looks. Yeah. This was the first digital comic that I'd read. Um, not just a paper comic that's been scanned into be viewed on a tablet. This was the first digital comic that I've actually sat down and read properly. Um, I'm, I mean, how it's constructed is very interesting. Panels and captions appear as you swipe your tablet screen so they appear before your eyes. And I have to say, I was quite impressed. Um, do I want all my comics to be like this forevermore? Probably not. But I enjoyed reading it, even if the experience didn't last particularly long. Ostensibly, this follows Nova and what happens to him just before he hits the Earth in Avengers vs. X-Men 1. It's one long chase, mm. but I enjoyed reading it. Um, I kind of... I. I started with Avengers Zero and then went to Avengers vs X-Men 1 and then it was you that said no you really need to read this as well so I'd read Avengers vs X-Men 1 when I read this yeah so I read him out of order yeah so I knew what happened to him but it was still yeah you know it was perfectly serviceable wasn't it it's not particularly deep or meaningful well, yeah, I think it was only there to showcase what they can what do. Did, what they can do in digital comics, yeah. yeah. It was... I still want to know what Infinite stands for, other than it sounds cool. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, is that just the title of it? No, the, this new digital thing is Marvel Infinite. Yeah, right, that's probably just... It sounds cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Carry on, then. Um, next is Avengers vs. X-Men 1. It has a cover by Jim Chung of the Avengers... Versus the X-Men, lining up and yelling at each other. Yeah, it's very Secret Wars, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it has another variant of the same cover, but with fading colours. A Scotty Young cover for Baby Avengers vs. X-Men. It actually happened. It did, I've read that one. Have you? That one's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, a John Romita Jr. cover of Wolverine fighting Captain America. A Ryan Stegman cover of Cap punching Cyclops, with three covers coming off of that, with alternate colours depending on whether you're an Avenger or an X-Man. And a completely white convention cover, and a Deadpool villains cover. Whew, you're very comprehensive. Yeah. I'll give you that. Uh, I quite like all of the covers to this one. Like, as I mentioned, there's a Secret Wars feel to the proper cover without actually homaging it directly. The Scotty Young cover's adorable. And probably my favourite of the lot. Because there's just so many lovely little things like Wolverine's been turned blast into a skeleton. Doctor Strange has got his dummy in. And Iron Man's had his armour blasted off and has got a nappy on. <laughs> Captain America's got a tooth missing, which I thought was really cute. It's just a lovely little cover. I like a little Iron Fist and the Vision, though. Yeah, well, it was Iron Fist. Iron Fist is there next to Wolverine. Oh, yeah, Wolverine's pounding the crap out of him. <laughs> so Wolverine's in it twice, then? Is that Wolverine, then? Or is that Black Panther? That it, is Black Panther. It it's be. Black Panther and Storm's blasting oh, him with yeah. lightning. Yeah. It's not Wolverine, it's Black Panther. But it's still it's still very funny. Mm. The Ramita Jansen cover's alright. Easily the most conventional cover of the lot, with Captain America hiding behind his shield as Wolverine blasts him down. Why is Wolverine swinging from a rope like some erstwhile Batman? Because it looks cool. It doesn't, though. Because they're on the helicarrier. Right. And obviously Wolverine's swinging off his helicarrier... And they're going to maroon Captain America on Utopia. Right. I'm just making this up because yes, it's pirates. Yes, you're just making that up. I yeah. can tell. Um, 
as I say, that's the most conventional one. A lot. The Captain America vs. Cyclops one's fine. The black and white colour ones, depending on whether you're Avenger or X-Men, are okay. Um, the best one of the lot is the blank one. Cause yes, the best one of the lot is the blank one. You obviously. can have whatever you want on that. You could, and the Deadpool one's just, you know, funny without being overbearing. It's Deadpool taking bets mm. on who's going to win. Avengers vs. X-Men and everyone throwing money at it. It's perfectly serviceable. The Avengers are winning. Yes, the Avengers are winning, according to this. I wonder if that's foreshadowing who will win. Oh, don't ruin it for me. I've not read the end yet. I've not read the end yet. You've read more than me. I have, that's true. Anyway, carry on. The Phoenix Force flies towards Earth, destroying everything in its way. The Avengers are bickering on top of the newly made Avengers Tower until something falls and destroys an airplane in the Chrysler Building. The Avengers save the plane and all the people on the streets and find no wrong floor. On Utopia, Scott is training Hope, but is letting his memory of Jean Grey and the Phoenix take over him. He pushes Hope too far until she fires her Phoenix power at him, surprising everyone. At the White House, Cap and Iron Man alert the President of Nova's message, the ultimate arrival of the Phoenix, and the team they put together to try and intercept the Phoenix before it reaches Earth. Before they can finish, they are alerted of a flow of similar energy signature of the Phoenix on the globe. At the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning, Cap talks to Wolverine about Scott and his attachment to Hope and the Phoenix, and how he won't cooperate with the Avengers. Cap asks Wolverine if he can count on him in the fight. On Utopia, Scott, Magneto, Emma, Namor and Colossus talk about why the Phoenix keeps coming back to Earth, and that if they had the power of it, then they can turn the tide, until Emma senses who's shown up on the island. Scott confronts Cap who waits on him on the shore. Cap tells Scott that they need to take Hope into custody to keep her from the Phoenix. Scott refuses, and the Phoenix arrives it could mean the rebirth of the mutant generation. Scott tells Cap to get off his island and then shoots him with his eye beams. A shield helicarrier appears over Utopia and the Avengers assemble. Boom! Miss Marvel's dialogue in this issue. Was this a Bendis one? Yeah. Could you not tell? Well, where's the credits? Oh, right, yeah, they're on page two and three, aren't they? Yeah. Brian Michael Bendis scripted this one. Yeah, the writers are Jason Aaron Bendis, Ed Brubacker, Jonathan Hickman and Matt Fraction. So this was Ed Brubacker before he decided to turn his back on Marvel and go and do creator-owned stuff, Mm. which is fair enough. Don't blame him for doing that. Marvel don't seem quite as bad as DC at the minute, but whatever, for firing people. Um, Miss Marvel's dialogue in this issue, as I was just saying, was very like she was written by Joss Whedon. Yeah. Was I don't remember Bendis being like this when I was reading a fair few Bendis comics. I mean It's because the Avengers came out just before. The Avengers movie. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that makes Whedon's work unique was that he didn't write dialogue like anybody else wrote dialogue. So I get why people would try to ape him. But it's very hard to pull off Whedon-esque speech patterns with the level of wit and skill that Whedon manages. Without sounding like you're trying to with, Well, Whedon. and also without sounding obnoxious. Yeah. Joss Whedon manages to pull it off, and I don't know how he does. He just he has the gift with it that it comes across as endearing when his characters do it. Yeah. But when other people try to mimic the speech patterns of a Whedon character, mm-hmm. it comes across as obnoxious. Maybe it's because it's delivered by actors rather than you. Well, no, because it works in the Buffy comic as well. Is that written by him? Some of it is, but obviously the other writers in that are trying to ape Buffy's speech patterns, which are Whedon's speech patterns. Yeah. And it works well in the Buffy comic. But when other 
writers try to mimic it in their comics, it doesn't come off as well. Do you know what I mean? I don't want everyone to sound like Joss Whedon. As much as I like Joss Whedon's writing, yeah. why I like Joss Whedon's writing is because Joss Whedon's writing it. Yes. I don't want everyone to just try and be a carbon copy of Joss Whedon because then you don't get unique people writing stuff. Mm. You get old thousands of clones of Joss Whedon, yeah. which I don't really want. I like Joss Whedon just fine, but I'm happy there's only one of him, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the all-new shiny Avengers Tower came out of Tony Stark's personal pockets after the destruction of the previous Tower of Fear itself and had its unveiling in Avengers Assemble 1. Just that little fun fact. Okay. Is that like an A vs. X fun fact? Like yeah. we get in A vs. X? Yeah, we have our own A vs. X fun fact. Yeah, we don't have an A uh, no. swipe button, though, no. that you can, you We've, can join in. I've not in. seen any of the ones in this. No, I've not looked Could at I any of these. Could I be reading these. them on the iPad? Yeah, I've not looked at any of these either. Um, the opening to this is actually pretty damn cool. Something falls from the sky, hitting an aeroplane above New York City and the Avengers just instantly leap into action because they just so happen to be on the roof and not on a mission well I don't mind that that kind of coincidence happens all the time in comics doesn't it um, and we, we do get to see them do stuff we haven't seen them do for a while rescue people mm. save people which is really good it's handled exceptionally well Romita Jr who I understand has become quite a divisive figure in comics but when he's on form as he is here. He's a wonderful superhero artist. Yeah. Or at least I think he is. I think he draws people like Thor kicking the crap out of things better than anybody. I mean, whilst I'm not as big a fan of his work now as I was, mm. there are certain things about his evolution as an artist that trouble me. Pointy noses and tiny little skinny ankles and that kind of thing. At this kind of stuff, there's nobody working in mainstream comics at the minute who's better than him. It looks like a comic book. It doesn't look like a Greg Land photoshopped thing. And it doesn't look like a bunch of people just standing around chatting. I think Capullo's just as good. Capullo's good in a different way. I don't yeah. know how I don't know if Capullo could handle this. This larger than life Remeter total destruction is the bright stuff. To Capullo's death. Yeah. Yeah. I don't Ramita Jr. to me has moved out of the shadow of his dad. And he's now oh, yeah. under the shadow of Kirby. Mm. He's become very Kirby-esque in his over-the-top battle sequences. Yeah. And I don't know that Capullo... Blocky, square fingers. Yeah, and essentially that, yeah, with exactly the same artistic touches that some and people may find irritating. There's as much power as Kirby as well. Yeah, well that's what I mean. When Thor hits somebody yeah. in a, a Ramita Jr. spread, mm. you feel the impact. It's not just that. It's like, like Miss Marvel flying. There is as much energy as mm. a Kirby scene would. Yeah, so while I, there are problems I am having with Ramita Jr.'s current art style, in this book he really suits it. Mm. And I don't think... Well, I don't think he could draw Batman as well as Capullo does. No. So I think it works both ways. I don't think Capullo could do this as well as Ramita Jr. does. But they're both suited to the companies they're working for. Yeah, right? and the yeah. characters that they're working on. I think Ramita Jr. was a very underrated thought artist. When he hits something, you feel it. I'd like to see him do an extended run on the FF. Yeah. To see what he can do with a Thing Hulk battle. Because World War Hulk was great Ramita Jr. artwork. Yeah. So 
I can understand why he's become divisive, but I think in this he's a, he's phenomenal. Um, is he a quick artist? Yes, exceptionally. Well, that'll probably be why then. That's because uh, he, he refers to himself as a pay the rent artist. The yeah. more pages you get done in a day, the more money you make. It's as simple oh. as that. Fair if you're on a page rate, yeah, you get paid more if you can do four pages in a day than if you can only be two. Fair enough. So, for a player to sorry me to get more than. Cassidy. Yeah, well, it depends yeah. on how much work he's given. Yeah. Presumably he's paid a lot more than John Cassidy, because John Cassidy turns out, what, one page a year? <laughs> if you're lucky. That was a bit pithy, wasn't it? Um, does Hope already have some of the Phoenix Force in her? Uh, we're assuming. It's like the closer it gets, the more power she has. Yeah. I'm actually quite intrigued by Hope. I don't know who she is, but I quite like this training sequence between her and Cyclops, where Cyclops is kicking the crap out of her, and then she just becomes Phoenix and burns him. Mm. She'll kill him though. Got a bit of a look of a Mary Jane to her. Green eyes, red hair. Yeah. But again, that could be because Ramita Jr.'s drawing her. And then we get. There's a very interesting scene later on between Cap and Wolverine. Which, which again. Is essentially. Can I trust you? Yeah. Are you gonna turn your back on me? So. Well, also, I haven't. I haven't read X-Men or the Avengers in many, many, many years, as we've established. So, Wolverine's founded a school in Jean Grey's name. Yeah. And is now the one avoiding a scrap. Yeah. Because of the children. Wolverine? Yeah. It was because of the new mutants, and so everyone, all the mutants were living together, and Scott became very, you know, these people don't like us, we have to be strong, and let's raise the kids like soldiers. And Wolverine's like, yeah, but the, the kids. He, he befriended a, a girl, though. And, um, like he does. Jubilee, well, and... Yeah. But it's pride. like these people are kids, and there was one incident in Schism where um, Scott. The, they're at this event, mm-hmm. and it gets held up by mutant terrorists. Right. And none of terrorists the, that are mutant. Yeah. Not terrorists that are against mutants. Um, I think so. Yeah. Right. And none of the X Men are on scene. It's just the kids from the well X Men school. And Xavier's school or Wolverine's school. Neither. It's just like a little school they have in Utopia. Right. Okay. And Scott uses <laughs> them. Like as expendable people to get the job done. Right. Whereas Wolverine's like, these are like thirteen-year-old kids. You can't be doing this. So they had the big fallout, um, which eventually led to Wolverine leaving with all the kids that wanted to leave and set up a school. So he set up a rival school for mutants. Yeah. That is nothing to do with Scott. So it's like his is the school, whereas Scott is running a soldier camp. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, when did Colossus go bald? Um, when bald became a cool thing. Alright, okay. I'm, I don't know. When did Namor become an X-Man? I've no idea. I've not been reading X-Men. Right, no. So we kept trying, didn't we? And um, it just, it didn't float our boat. We tried Mutant Messiah. Did we? Yeah, I don't like that. Oh, yeah. That one. Well, obviously memorable. If you don't remember it. I, I kind of remember it. Um, the last X-Men I properly read and enjoyed was um, Whedon's. Um, the final confrontation at the end between Cap and, and Cyclops. Cyclops is a jerk. Oh, yeah. Out and out jerk. Um, I don't know what's gone down between the two of them other than Civil War. But Cyclops isn't even interested in listening to what Cap has to say. He's very petty. Yeah. I mean, Captain America's very, it's my way or the highway. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't exactly agree with Captain America. No, but... but he, he has... He's coming from the right. Yes. 
He's got the right idea. Yeah. Unlike Civil War, where you and I have argued about Civil War before. Yeah. Probably not on the show, I don't think. We've never done a Civil War show. Maybe we should cover Civil War. Yeah. Because I think that Civil War is a good idea, badly executed. Yes. Where the writer, in this case Mark Miller, Mm -hmm. makes the characters act deliberately out of character to make his story work. Yeah. Whereas the difference between that and this, although both oh. characters are both right and wrong... And with Civil War, I don't think every character is written out of character. No, not all of them. I think Captain America's... Captain America is, Tony Stark is, Yeah. Reed Richards is... But everyone else, especially Spider-Man. Well, Spider-Man's alright, but Spider-Man's barely in the main Civil War series. Most of the Spider-Man stuff happened in his own books, didn't it? Yeah. So... See, that's what I mean about it being a good idea. Some of the stuff they, they explored in the spin-off titles yeah. was better than the main Civil War series. Because there was more fallout between Tony and Spider-Man in the Spider-Man title. Yeah, and the problem with a, a story like that is you have to have a bad guy. And they made Tony Stark the bad guy. Even though he kind of was coming from the right thing. But by making him a bad guy... He then making the good guy a bad guy. Well, not just that, that but they, they made him very black and white. In yeah. that this is the way it is. There was no... And Tony Stark's... Tony Stark, of all people, mm-hmm. isn't the authority figure. No. So, Civil War just didn't work for me yeah. in execution. Whereas this one did. I felt both Cap and Cyclops were right here, and they were both wrong at the same time. Yeah. So I saw both points of view and saw that both of them were being slightly jerky about it. Mm. But it it didn't hinder the story. I didn't feel that either one of them here was saying something for the sake of making the story work. Yeah. I mean, they obviously are. The idea for the story obviously came about before they actually sat down and wrote it. It's not happened organically. Yeah. They've sat down and thought, let's do a 12-issue series in which pits the Avengers against the X-Men. But then they've sat down and made it work. Whereas with Civil War, we know how that went down. Miller pitched it at one of those Marvel retreats. Yeah. And then he didn't actually bother trying to make the characters work within his story. He He made the characters fit his story. Instead of the characters organically reacting to what was going on. So this already scores over that. Second, the art's much better in this. I like McNiven. I don't dislike McNiven. I think Civil War was certainly when he was at the top. His more recent work with Nemesis, especially, I think Nemesis is very good. Is it very the, the Mark Miller thing? Only Have I read, I've read that the guy in the white Batman yeah. suit, isn't he? But he's a bad guy. But the the only reason I really like Nemesis is because the art's cool. It's a big blockbuster. Yeah, see again, Mark Miller. Suit. When Mark Miller's writing his own stuff, I have no problem with it. But I think his art was the best when he was around Civil War time. Right. See, I thought the art in Civil War was a bit stiff. Well, yeah, I'm not saying it's not stiff. I'm right, saying okay. it was the good time. <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. Good kind of stiff. <laughs> all right. Um, how long's Daredevil been an Avenger? Uh, fear itself. Right. Okay. Because um, the Avengers mansion was being hit by the Blitzkrieg, the Nazi robots. Right. And um, the the what is it? Raccoon? No, Squirrel Girl. Yes, yeah, Squirrel Girl was the the only one in the mansion with Luke Cage and Jessica Squirrel Jones' Girl. baby. Yeah, she's the nana. She was the babysitter, wasn't she? Yeah, it? yeah. And um, it's being bombed, and then Daredevil comes along, beats Paul the robots, saves her. He's like, all oh, right, 
So now he's an Avenger. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, this page 40 goes to what I was just saying. Cyclops blasts Cap with his eye beams. Cap uses his shield to mm. obviously absorb the impact. That you was where feel it off, yeah. that impact. Yeah. That's an excellent two-page splash page. And I especially liked everybody's reaction. Especially Emma's. Yeah, Emma just closes her eyes as if to say, oh, here we go. Because Scott is quite... He's not thinking, though. No, he's a jerk. Yeah. Um, and then everybody else is just stunned. Mm. And then Cap just gets out of the water. And he doesn't even yell it, does he? He just says, yeah. Avengers Assemble. And... It's, it's like Batman. And the hell he says it, then it's, he means it more. Yeah, it's one of those things, I was, like we've said before, if Batman smiles at yeah. you, you know you're in trouble. Yeah. With Captain America, it's he doesn't shout, he goes quiet. Yeah. And he just says, Avengers assemble. And the helicarrier just descends it's, down. You know how big that helicarrier is. Yeah. Look, look see, those are the Avengers, look. Yeah. Those tiny little dots. Why do you like the helicarrier? I hope they don't crash it again. There's been so many of them and Bendis has run alone. Well, Bendis likes his helicarrier. Everybody likes the helicarrier. There was one of them he didn't use, though. In the first issue of Mighty Avengers after Civil War, he made this new shiny yellow submarine <laughs> helicarrier, which he never used. He showed up submarine. in that one issue. He showed up in um, Dark Avengers, which mimicked the first issue of Mighty Avengers and just never showed up. Yeah. Maybe it's just parked yeah. to be forgotten. In something. What was I reading recently? I don't know. Oh, it was this, where they, they sneak into the mansion underneath in a later issue. The almost forgotten part of the mansion where they have the submarines. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, where was I? Uh, I thought this was great, issue number one. Action packed. Lots of intrigued. Who's Hope Summers? Why is Cyclops being such a numpty? How many Avengers are there now, anyway? Bendis leaps like straight. Teams, there does so. seem to be. Bendis leaps straight into the action with no preamble, and the issue doesn't let up from start to finish. I liked it. You weren't expecting me to, were you? I was not, because the old event seemed like something you wouldn't enjoy. Uh, I don't mind event storytelling. It's an event storytelling that has to make sense to me. Yeah. And not just, we're doing an event! Now, I'm not saying they didn't do that with this, because but it does actually lost. seem like they've sat down and gave it some thought. Hmm. And it doesn't let down having five different writers. With something like that... No, it's flo- it flows very like, well. With Prodigal, we've seen what can yeah. happen if everyone's not on the on same, the same page. page. No, yeah, this is... I mean, we'll mention that as we go along, but the different writers have done a really good job of coordinating what they're doing. And the characterisation, yeah. And the characterisation is pretty consistent. I'm not saying it's consistent across the crossovers and tie-ins. Don't know. But in the the self-contained 12-issue miniseries, they've done a pretty good job of of keeping everything consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, Crossovers and tie-ins, speaking of which... I've just mentioned these. Okay. Like with this, because they're not all on the same page of Titans. All right. Uh, Wolverine and the X Men issue nine covers Cap and Wolverine's conversation in more depth. Um, Wolverine prepares the school staff for the possible fight, but basically says it's the kids over fighting. Right. Uh, and Beast prepares to take off into space to stop the Phoenix. Right. So is he part of the? Um, yeah. Or does he go alone? No, he goes off in the team. Right. A uh, new Avengers twenty four covers the ever-increasing tension in Luke Cage and Jessica Jones' marriage prior to the Utopia raid. Because they have a baby now, she's essentially saying to him, we can't be Avengers anymore because we're constantly in danger and we're trying to raise a baby, so we can't. What did they call the baby? 
can't remember. But oh, cool. Luke keeps saying, but, you know, we're Avengers. I want to be in the Avengers. Next is Avengers vs. X-Men 2, which has seven covers. Count them! Yes. The Jim Chung cover, the main one, is of Iron Man fighting Magneto, with everyone else fighting behind, and Hope phoenixing out in the background. Hmm. Uh, there was a black and white variant, a Nick Bradshaw cover of Namor vs. The Thing, and a black and white version, and a Marty Graccia cover of Hulk vs. Emma Frost with a black and white version and the two-team variants. Yeah, and you get the which side are you on an Avengers or an X-Men thing. Which, um, which side are you on? Which, which side am I on? The Avengers, dude. I never liked the X-Men, but you're whiny nobodies. I've still not decided yet. Because, like we said, they're both romping right at the same time. I, I always think, though, I always think I just have a prejudice against the X-Men because they became so popular in the 90s. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I'm not going to like them because everybody else does. It's, I've it's never... still a part of you that's yeah, vertigo. Yeah, there's, there's a, no, not just so much vertigo, there's a part of it that's like, I have a hard time with the, the, the popularity of the X-Men. Yeah, you, you have your leather jackets and headbands. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be over here with the yeah. Superman comics. So I'll the same with you. Um, again, I liked all the covers. The logo's a bit big on the page, but it's eye-catching, I suppose. The black and white covers are especially good. Especially that one. Who did that one? Uh, Nick Bradshaw. The, right, the one of Namor and the thing fighting underwater and the Red Hulk and the Juggernaut, or is it Colossus or whatever. Colossus I like that one. Not. I thought that was Arthur Adams at first. I thought it was, um, what's his face? Did Hulk run? Red Hulk? Oh, McGuinness, yeah. Ed McGuinness. I thought it was him. Yeah, it could could be. Yeah, again, the, the perfectly serviceable covers, none of them are crap. Uh, who wrote this one? Jason yeah. Aaron wrote oh, this right. one. Alright, fair enough. The Avengers prefer to jump until Colossus flies into the helicarrier, sending everyone into the ocean below. Red Hulk takes Colossus, Luke Cage takes Namor after he punched him away. The Flyers circle the island and the rest of the Avengers charge into the X-Men. Emma takes Hope to the rest of the new mutants inside the buildings and heads back out, walking straight into Iron Man, who is then flanked by Magneto. Pierre and Wanda, Maximoff, Magneto's kids, watch over TV. Before Wanda sits down to turn off the TV, Quicksilver is already at Utopia and takes out Magneto. Magic enters Hell and Doctor Strange follows, while Spidey and Wolverine sneak into Utopia via the sewers at the back. They find Hope having knocked out all of the new mutants, and Wolverine goes in for the kill, having promised Hope that he would kill her if the Phoenix ever got to her, but Hope sets him on fire. The Avengers and the X-Men walk in to find Wolverine and Spidey taken out, whilst Hope runs away. Elsewhere, the space team stand ready as the Phoenix flies towards them. I thought Earth vs. X was the fighty title. Yeah, but it's, there's fighting in Avengers vs. X-Men, Yeah, Earth vs. X just takes two people and puts them together. Because this, this kicks off with a great fight scene. Yeah. Um, I like Cerebral as much as the next man, but sometimes I just want to see these characters pound the snot out of each other. Um, we don't quite get a knockdown, drag out fight between each character, because I expect the thing to put up a better fight against Namor. But given that they're in Namor's element, I'll cut them some slack, um, and that is something I will come back to yeah. for A versus X. Is it issue one or issue two? Issue one. Where Namor, where they expand upon the Namor thing fight. Uh, I do like that we get a fastball special. I like how the f- do the fight fastball special. Yeah, because Magneto, uh, Magneto fl- throws Colossus this time, doesn't he? Yeah. Which I thought was quite cool. Can the thing swim? I given that I, he's don't, just I don't see why not. He's a big bunch of brick. What kind of brick? 
Is it a floaty brick? I don't care what kind of brick you are. (laughs) Bricks can't swim. It hangs there in exactly the same way that bricks don't. Um, I did like Storm's line, this is why we have a marriage counsellor. When her and Black Panther are pounding okay, the snot out enough, of each other. In that later issue... Yeah, well, see, that's... The, the tonally, yeah. Avengers vs. X-Men is completely different from A vs. X. And this is where you, you could have a really fun time picking all the continuity holes, couldn't you? Because in a lot of places, there is nowhere for those fights to take place. Oh, no. In the way that they do in those they just comics. look cool. But they do look cool. Mm. So I'll cut them some slack. Damn, Emma Frost and Tony Stark fighting. You know what? Uh, they used to have a thing where if they weren't seeing anyone. Oh, did they have a friends with benefits relationship? She kept it from Scott, though. I'm not surprised. Yeah. Okay. Quicksilver's back. Quicksilver looks very. That's very burn. Hmm. On that panel. I thought. I'm not sure if I like the whole Wanda having a children's diary. Wanda's dream diary. Today I dreamt of the bad thing. <laughs> this is how the world ends. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know. I suppose, I mean, have they established that she got some kind of child mind or something? She might not. She always had problems. Mm, fair enough. Um, <laughs> this felt like a much shorter issue than the first one. Because it's all fight. Because it's all fight. There's nothing wrong with that. I enjoyed it immensely. It reads really quickly, but this is one of those occasions when that wasn't disappointing. Um, Cyclops seems a little bit hypocritical given that although Cap came with the desire to take Hope away it was Cyclops that drew first blood Yeah, there are some good mix-ups and partnerships and the usual funny from Spider-Man did I ask you to come? asked Wolverine must have slipped your mind replies Spider-Man as he follows him Yeah, uh, and it's all pretty good it's all pretty good fun I like Spider-Man and Wolverine together yeah they make a pretty good team because they're so completely opposite yeah um it's not deep or anything. They're quite funny as well. Yeah. In an Avengers tie-in, they're talking about the fight and all that, and they're just sat having breakfast, and Spidey's like, wait, Wolverine has a school. Wolverine, <laughs> this guy. What, what a school with kids. And Wolverine sat there having a beer, he's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have a pretty good relationship, Spider-Man and Wolverine. Mm. But despite having so much little in common, both of them are not team players. Yeah. Which is why it's odd that they're on the Avengers. Hmm. It's very strange. Um, it's not deep, but it's a lot of fun. What I want to know is why the Avengers and X-Men stopped fighting just to walk in on Wolverine and Spider. Well, they're not pursuing each other. They were running after Hope, yeah. both of them. So we don't know that they've all stopped fighting, just the ones that are there hmm. and passed out at the end. No, it was a good issue, this. I really enjoyed it. And then the end of it... Thor and his space cronies confession of the vision of Valkyrie and Warmonger and a couple of others that I don't recognise the beast uh, confront the Phoenix Force Captain Britain's not on there no Captain Britain's not there in this one and I do like his line at the end today is as good a day as any to die yeah. which is very Klingon it is it? a good day to die it is a good day to die um, Avengers 25 is the next tie-in um which bridges the gap between the last Avengers story arc and this event, but it's from the Red Hulk's memories during the fight. Right. And it has horrible, horrible Walter Simonson art. Yeah. What happened to Walter Simonson? He used to be the ba- he used to be the man. Yeah. Okay. Um, next up uh, is Avengers A versus X versus issue one, uh, which is a cover of the Avengers and the X Men. 
Just kind of pos- yeah, just standing there. <laughs> battle position. Yeah, preparing for battle. Street Fighter style. Yeah, pretty much. By Adam Cuba. Uh, a variant of Iron Man vs. Magneto and Namor vs. The Thing by Stuart Eminem. Um, da, 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 da. a Spider-Man 50th anniversary cover of Gwen Stacy by Tim Sale. Um, which seems very out of place. Is that by Tim Sale? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Didn't look like Tim Sale to me. It's what the credits. Yeah, it does. It did seem out of place, that one. Um, I mean, it's lovely as a piece of art. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't suit Avengers. Of Avengers vs. X. Yeah, it doesn't suit Air vs. X. My favourite on this one was the second one, which looks like a boxing poster. Yeah. I liked that one. Mayhem on Mutant Island, the plate-armoured playboy Iron Man versus the metal manipulator Magneto. And coming up for your viewing pleasure, the rematch for the ages, The Thing versus Namor! I liked that. Yeah? I, I, I like that second cover a great deal. That was a good reading of it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, go on. Synopsize this one. Iron Man versus Magneto. Iron Man wins. No, <sighs> no, no. He totally doesn't. I'm sorry, but this takes place in the middle of Avengers vs. X-Men 2. And no, it's no, 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 no. This takes place on its own. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. It's supposedly. <laughs> I mean, and it's a good idea, similar to what Stanley and Jack Kirby did in Fantastic Four Annual 1, where they retold and expanded upon Spider-Man's first meeting with the Fantastic Four. Here, two fights from the issue are expanded upon. Iron Man versus Magneto. But just imagine them as they're in a room completely isolated from everywhere else. Yeah. It, it, if you actually will go and analyse it, yeah. it doesn't actually fit in with the issue. No. But anyway, there's the thing versus name. Uh, to me, this cuts right to the heart of being a fan of US comics. Who would win in a fight between is a staple fan question. And after all the message board whining about the direction of books, now crap somebody or other's new costume is, we have a comic book that looks at the important stuff. Fighting. Oh, yeah. Um, I did like the juxtaposition on the first page of the different viewpoint between Magneto and Iron Man, and the fact that the powers that be are still clinging to Magneto, being a product of World War II, is surely making the character in his 80s by now. So Tony Stark's beating on an octogenarian. Yeah. Yeah, okay. For a few, as long as well, you're alright with that. As long as you're okay with that. The AVX fun facts, I think, were quite funny. Yes, yeah, some of them. Some of them. Some of them I thought were a bit... We're getting bored of this now. Yeah, some of them can get obnoxious. Yeah. But I did like the bits about the Utopia Towers. Which was the Utopia Towers? Which was... Uh, Each Utopia Tower weighs 170 tons. Yes. And then Iron Man says, I just got crushed by 200 tons, followed by... <laughs> Iron Man likes to exaggerate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was And the one, uh, Magneto has magnetic counting abilities. <laughs> I count 2 million. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, the art in this first story is awesome. Yeah. Um, I love that all the pages are landscape showing off the art to its fullest. They're really, it's really good, isn't it? Mm. Really very impressed with that. Yeah, I was quite surprised after I read this, because I thought it was um, Andy Kubert, who is my favourite of the Kuberts. Mm. And it looks very similar, but I, I then looked at the credits like, oh, Adam, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's quite good. Yeah, it's awesome. The artwork is fantastic. Even, no problems with the artwork. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure if I like the whole Magneto in space. I don't mind that. Because it looks cool. Hmm. They've stolen the interior shots of Iron Man's faceplate straight from the films. Well, he was doing that thing long before the films, really. Were they? Were they doing that in the comics what before the movie? What really annoyed me, what they did, though, was... Um, okay, 
they, they show a shot of Iron Man in Superman position, with mm. his arms outstretched. But then they show a shot of a naked Tony Stark, complete blackness, running in computers, just stood with his arms by his side. Right. It's just like, okay. So there was no consistency? No. Right. No, I, I loved this one. I mean, for a book that's been sold on mindless fighting, some of the dialogue's pretty funny. Yeah. In place. I, I did like the bit where um, Magneto compared Tony to a Nazi. Yeah, because mm. it, it is very ironic. And Tony's like, "I'm sorry, did did did, did you a, just a terrorist me? just compare me to a Nazi?" <laughs> Which is a good point. Yeah, it has to be so. Um, not for the first time in this series, we'll get a victory that isn't a victory. Iron Man doesn't win this fight. Magneto gives up when he experiences an epiphany about the enormity of the situation they're default, all involved in. It's default victory. Yeah, but that's cheating, surely. Nope. Um, I, I don't consider all that a mystery. Love what? war and whatever. Um, yeah, I was alright. I was good that one. I enjoyed that one immensely. Yeah. It does not fit in with the issue, nope. but I didn't care. Yes. So, synopsis the next one. Neymar versus the thing. The thing wins. Sort of. Uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, a long-standing grudge match. This one, the thing versus Neymar, and both characters favourites of mine uh, there's a scene in the middle of it with a huge big puffer fish that reminded me of the Phantom Menace because mm. there's always a bigger fish I was left wondering how long the thing could hold his breath underwater especially in the midst of pitched battle but at least he wasn't talking don't think about that it's a fight yeah well, he's thoughtful <laughs> and hysterical yeah because he is actually communicating he's answering Nemo who is talking underwater which I never got but yeah. whatever um, again, we have a split decision. Whilst the comic says the thing won, I would again call this a draw. As on the last page, where the thing's crawling out of the water, after he's trapped Neymar underwater with the, the, the teeth of some big fish, he pulls off and he, he traps him underwater like in a scissor manoeuvre. Mm. But in the last panel, the thing comes out of the water, covered in seaweed, and we can quite clearly see Namor shooting out of the water in the background. It does say for now. Yes, it does say for now, but I, I consider this um, a draw. A stalemate. Yeah. Mainly because I love the thing as much as anyone, but surely in a battle underwater, Namor has home field advantage. Mm. On land, Namor and the thing are pretty evenly matched, but at sea, Namor all the way, man. Yeah. So again... That wasn't a victory for the character that it says it was a victory for, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, next is um, Uncanny X-Men 11, which is expands on Hope and Scott's decision-making. Uh, a fight between Red Hulk and Colossus, and how Scott got superhuman PR specialist Kate Kilder to make a press release about how the Avengers and the government are bad guys for wanting to take Hope into custody, and how choosing to fight the Avengers was the right thing to do. Okay, fair enough. Um, but then next is Avengers vs. X-Men issue 3, which again has a Jim Chung cover of Wolverine vs. Cap. Hope sat in front of a mirror showing herself possessed by the Phoenix by Sarah Pacella and a black and white variant. Uh, Miss Marvel versus Rogue in Paris by Scott Campbell and the two team versions. Um, again, they're all perfectly serviceable. None of them particularly leapt out at me on this one. Yeah. None of them were awful, but none said, buy me! I like the Campbell one. Yeah, the J. Scott Campbell one's fun, as usual. Who's this one written by? Uh, this one is written by... Ed Brubacker did this one. Ed Brubacker. Oh yeah, I didn't put any of the credits into this. It's alright, they're all drawn by John Romita Jr. and Scott Hanna. 
We're so not, we're not reading all those ed- ed- editors again. Yeah. The artist will change later. Oh, will it? It's Junior Not Drama, oh? No. Oh. Copiel. Olivia Copiel does something. Oh, right, okay. Logan wakes up and Spidey tells him that the X-Men has surrendered and the fighting stopped. Whilst Tony and Cap talk over what to do with the mutants, Doctor Strange shows up with the knocked out magic. Logan realises something's wrong and magic's illusion fades, revealing that she and Strange had swapped places and the mutants teleport away. The mutants decide to find hope, and the only way of doing that is to use Cerebra, but the only functioning machine is at Logan's school. Elsewhere, Hope is hiding and building weapons Cable taught her. At Avengers Tower, Logan and Steve talk to Rachel Summers via holograms, and she tells them that Hope's energy signatures are showing up in five places at once. She leaves and tells Scott the same thing. Cap splits everyone into the five teams and sends them on their way. On the Quinjet, Cap yells at Wolverine for disobeying orders and going off on his own. The two fight and Giant Man kicks Logan out of the plane and into the Arctic as they head for the Savage Land. Um, I like how the the little splash pagey thing that has all the characters in boxes and it's A, all drawn by John Romita Jr. Which I thought was quite interesting. I do like how they keep adding members as we go along so now suddenly the X-Men aren't quite as outclassed no. as they were in the first issue. Uh, some of them are done by Bacala. Are they? Yeah. Some of the X-Men. Oh yeah, some of the X-Men are Bacala, yeah, definitely. Yeah, some of them are definitely some Chris Bacala. You know Kid Omega? I, I'm aware of him. Though. Yeah. Morrison creation. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, the first page is gross. Spider-Man yeah. just hangs around whilst Logan's skin regenerates. Yeah. It does beg the question, how does Logan's hair know when to stop growing? Maybe it stops growing when it reaches where it was when it burned off. Right, okay. All right, I'll, I'll go with that, even though it's stupid. Um, <laughs> I did like that instantly Logan knew that Scott wouldn't just surrender. Yeah. Which is what's happened in the story. The conversation between Iron Man and Cap, with Tony pointing out that during the Civil War, Cap was arguing for civil liberties, mm. I thought was very nicely played. Yeah. And wasn't... No, it didn't, didn't bang like you over the head with yeah. it. But um, I, I quite liked that. Kind of like Iron Man going, uh, you know... <laughs> Um, I like a Tony Stark that knows when he's wrong. Yeah, and, you know, maybe he was wrong about uh, Civil War. When did Scott Summers turn into Indiana Jones? I don't know, I'm making this up as I go. <laughs> was a very Indiana Jones line. Yeah. Um, towards the end of this issue, we get a great Wolverine-Captain America fight. Which I thought came out of the blue. Well, it's a setup, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's not real. Hmm. It's all a setup. But is it? Because I'd, reading Cap's bits especially, it seemed very natural and like he meant everything he said. And so did. do you think Wolverine only turned back to them later on? Yeah. Right, okay. See, I thought it was a setup, and that he'd done this deliberately to kick Wolverine out of the plane and he, he was in on it. See, you can read it like that, but I think Cap's too sincere to, uh, to have had it being a setup. Yeah. Alright, fair enough. Okay. Um, where it does score is in the artwork. Yeah. Every single one of those blows feel like they hurt. Cat lays a couple of good haymakers on Wolverine. But Wolverine's sneaky and cuts um, Cap's shield off his arm. For the most part, they seem quite evenly matched mm. until Cap slams his shield into Wolverine's face. Which must have hurt. Yeah, that, that was... It does beg the question of is Cap's shield stronger than Wolverine's Admantian skeleton? Mm. Doesn't it? Yeah. Which do you think... 
Uh, they're both the same. Do you? Mm. All right. He kicks him out of the plane, and there's a great final shot of Wolverine rising out of the snow. Mm. But the way he says, all right, then, I guess it's all up to me. I thought that implied that they were in it together, but he does call him a blind, old-fashioned fool. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe your reading of it's right. Maybe they weren't in this together, and then yeah. later on, was I, I do like the little comedy effect of him popping out of the snow. Yeah, that is quite good. Batman used to do that all the time as well. Yeah. Um, this is an excellent issue. Unlike Civil War, this is quite well written, so that different character points of views are explained rather well rather than ill-conceived and boneheaded like they were in that story. Ramita Jr. is really well suited to this large-scale epic storytelling, and uh, this continues to to rattle along really quite well. Mm. I've been quite impressed with it so far. Really good. Have you got some more tie-ins to talk about? Yes, um, quite a few, actually. None of them have any place, really. Avengers Academy covers the new mutants being dropped off at the Academy to be watched, um, to be watched but managed to escape and go the wrong way. Somehow, Giant Man is at the Academy. And Despite being on the plane? Yeah, and Wolverine <laughs> is with them as well. So what I'm assuming is Cap and Wolverine and Giant Man have the kids from Utopia drop them off at the Academy and then have the fight, Right. which is what I'm assuming. Okay. Wolverine uh, and the X-Men takes place right after the fight on Utopia and before talking to Rachel so which is what I've got because it doesn't exactly specify when it's set right. Scott and the team show up at the school and ask Wolverine to use Cerebra after an entire issue of talking uh, Wolverine just declines and Scott leaves so none of these actually fit in smoothly then not really right okay uh, X-Men Legacy shows a group of Avengers watching over Wolverine's school until a couple of teachers got annoyed and started to fight they beat the Avengers due to Rogue absorbing She-Hulk and Moon Knight's powers and going ape crap at everyone <laughs> Secret Avengers 26 to 28 covers the fight against the Phoenix and is the best variation of that story the Phoenix heads towards Kree whilst the Koreans bring back Captain Marvel Beast makes an invention that can harm the Phoenix, but it gets destroyed, and the group gets stranded on Kree. Marvel shows up and recruits Kid Marvel and Miss Marvel, and after several uh, fights with the group, Marvel realises that what he's doing is wrong, and dies stopping the Phoenix long enough to save Kree and let the group escape. Right. Yeah. Well, that's just one telling of what happened to that's the space-bound heroes. one of the three. Right. Avengers 26-27 to 27 shows Bendis' ver- well, one of Bendis' versions of events in which the group get beaten, ba- beaten but Beast realises that Thor's hammer absorbed some em- energy from the Phoenix and so can use it to harm and contain it. They harm the bird and it flies away, but Kid Marvel turns to them because he swore an oath to Kree to ensure the Phoenix gets to Earth and kill everyone who stops it. He sends the group into the sun and takes the captured Phoenix energy to Kree, where he then turns against them when he realises what the Kree's true, uh, true intentions are. The group show up and tell Marvel to never show up on Earth again. Hated by both the group and Kree, Marvel goes into hiding. Right. So in one story he dies. Yeah. And in another he just goes off and hides. Yeah. No, he doesn't die. Right. In one of them. You said he died. No, that's Captain Marvel. This is Kid Marvel. Right. Okay. Captain Marvel's the one who died. Right, but not not Kid Marvel. No. Okay. This is the Captain Marvel. <laughs> this is the original Captain Marvel right. that came back. You can see how this could be confusing to a stupid person. Yeah. Th- th- that is just one of Bendis's because he writes two completely different stories. And is there, has there been an explanation for this discrepancy? Uh, no. Right. Uh, we just accept it because it's an event. 
Alright, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Go on then. Um, issue 4 has a Jim Chung cover of the Avengers and X-Men Chasing Hope. A Jerome Opina variant of Thor hovering in front of the Phoenix and a pencil cover. Mm-hmm. And a Mark Bagley variant of Spidey fighting Iceman with two, two team versions. Yeah, with the are you an Avenger, are you an X-Men thing. Uh, hands down, favourite cover this time is Thor facing down the Phoenix Force. Colour or pencils? Both. Yeah. The colouring's gorgeous on that one, but the pencils are brilliant on that one, so I'd go for both of them. Um, there's just something epic about that cover. Yeah. Thor facing that down. Something bigger than Thor, but yeah. just and Thor's just not backing down. Yeah. I thought it was it was awesome. Tell us what happens in Avengers vs. X-Men issue 4. Wolverine follows a trail of beer cans in the Arctic that lead him to Hope and her Quinjet. In space, surrounded by his fallen partners, Thor throws his hammer at the Phoenix and sends it into a planet, destroying it. Hope talks Logan into staying with her to give her a chance to see if she can do good with the Phoenix, but kill her as she goes bad. Safe in an abandoned Hellfire Club safe house, Emma controls Toad, now the janitor at Logan's school, and makes him use Cerebra to find Hope. She searches all five locations, but finds no sign of Hope, so she reads Cap's thoughts. Whilst fighting, Tony tells him that he needs to crack the universal expansion before being able to build a Phoenix killer, and Cap manages to locate Hope, meaning Emma knows as well. At an AIM staging area for advanced idea mechanics, Wolverine and Hope kill everyone until one of the soldiers shows them the rockets they want to reach the moon. They land in the blue area of the moon that allows them to breathe, but find the Avengers already there. Cap and Wolverine tell Hope that he told the Avengers where they were heading whilst Hope was sleeping. The X-Men show up, but before they can fight, Thor crashes down into the moon with the Phoenix behind. Um, again... I like that the character index is split by colour and assignment. The space group have their own. Yeah, the space group have their own section, and Latveria's got their own section. And I like the Avengers have a blue background, and the uh, X-Men have a a yellow one. So you know whose team's on who. And Wolverine and Hope are just rogues, so they're black. Yes, because they're not affiliated with anyone. Uh, I love the first page. I think the first page is awesome. Wolverine's killed a polar bear. And he's using it as a coat to shield himself against the cold. It's a very clever idea. Yeah. As it would keep him warm, but it would also keep other predators away from it. Yeah. Which I thought was genius. I, I just found it hilarious that Wolverine's been following a trail of beer cans without questioning where they're from. <laughs> and that Hope used beer cans to learn, especially when we see the next panel, loads of them fall out. Yeah. So It's like free beer, why question it? Yeah, in the middle of the Arctic. Yeah. I didn't think this was at all odd. No. no, well, you wouldn't, would you? Um, there's some excellent economical storytelling here. If you're reading the tie-ins, you've already explained that there are multiple ways. Because this is the third telling yeah, of the story. That the Avengers Deep Space team have had their heads handed to them. And I'm presuming it gets explained in nauseating detail. I didn't read any of that stuff. No. I just read Avengers vs. X-Men and A vs. X. And I loved that we saw the space team going off all cocky into space. And then here we see that they're all knocked out unconscious apart from Thor. And we don't need to see anything else. We just see that they've been beaten. And that Thor, of all people, is humbled by the action of the Phoenix Force, which is just stunning. And it's all dialogueless pages. Mm. And Ramita Jr.'s artwork really does carry the story. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, We have, once again, I've said, we have the third ending of the Phoenix fight in space, which gets quite annoying. Yes. Yeah. See, I'd only read this one. Yeah. So it wasn't confusing to me. <laughs> um, 
does Hope not point out that Wolverine stinks given that he's wearing a real polar bear and there must be blood everywhere? Maybe she just accepts it. Maybe she just accepts that Wolverine smells. Well, well we, we, we've already established that Wolverine smells. Everyone's established Wolverine smells. He's just established it. Are you going to tell him? <laughs> so, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, when did Colossus start wearing Juggernaut's outfits? I have no idea. Right, okay. When so. he became Colossus not. Because, again, A versus X will centre on the Colossus-Spider-Man fight, but in this, Colossus and Spider-Man don't fight on their own. No. We quite clearly see that Colossus is being fought by Daredevil and Spider-Man. Yeah, in the A versus X issue, Daredevil's nowhere to be seen, is he? Or any of the other Avengers. And Cap's costume doesn't get all torn up in the fight with Gambit in this issue. Yeah. But it does in A versus X. Are we um, even bothering mentioning these continuity glitches, or are we just going with them? We're just rolling with them. It's the best way to take them. Yeah. Uh, the blue zone of the moon... <laughs> <laughs> the blue area of the moon. The blue zone of the moon is an artificially created uh, environment, which was created by the Skrulls in Fantastic Four issue thirteen. That I don't remember. To I don't remember the Skrulls creating it. Okay, That's I think what I read. I thought it was discovered when we went up there with the Red Ghost and his super apes that we discovered the the blue area of the moon. Because originally it was thought to be an advanced alien alien life form that lived on the moon. And later on, I think it was established that the Skrulls were something to do with it or something. But as of FF13, the Skrulls Skrulls were nothing to do with it. I don't think. I don't remember. I'm sure Stephen will email us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And especially since I should remember that, (laughs) given that we covered it on Fantastica. Panel of Wolverine. Yes, it's exactly the same as the cover of Enemy of the State. I I think that's gotten... It doesn't have that same look to it as Enemy of the State did. Enemy of the State looked really cool when they did that, but here it looks like he's not putting that effort into it, so it doesn't look cool. I think it looks alright. I just felt like we'd, we'd seen that before. That same panel shot is, in, yeah. is the cover of Enemy of the State. It's a variation of it, Yeah, but it's the same thing. Um... Do you know, against all odds, I'm really enjoying this. Hmm. It's a lot like the old Contest of Champions story, which I've now read because I've got the trade paperback, where the heroes are all forced to fight each other. It's really quite good. Unlike Civil War, I can see where Cap's coming from and why he wants to stop the Phoenix Force. But likewise, I can understand Cyclops' position. I can't understand why Cyclops is being portrayed as such a, a bonehead. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really well, digging on it. As someone said... He's not Scott Summers, he's just a new variation of Scott Summers, which these writers want to do. Right. Okay, fair enough. Another tie-in! Another tie-in. <coughs> this time it's AVX versus issue... Five. Five? Yes, five. Oh, okay, fair enough. Just um, because the stories inside take place during the five fights. That seems a bit weird to me. Oh, it is very weird but we don't think about it. No. Um, the cover is by Lionel Francis Yu and shows Storm versus the Black Panther and Hawkeye versus the Angel. Well, tell us about the first story, Mike. Um, Hawkeye versus Angel. Hawkeye wins by cheating. <laughs> um, what the hell has the Angel took to worrying? Um, no it's god-awful, isn't it? It seems really impractical to me to have a flying man wear a costume that flutters around whilst he flies. Because surely it would just get in the way. And slow him down. And slow him down. Um, He's got really, really long hair, which would surely get in his eyes. Yeah. This is a fine example of style over substance. 
Mm. And when I saw, because I hadn't read this one until yesterday, it was you that came to me and said, you need to read this one, it takes place in Avengers vs. X-Men 2. Yeah. So I read this one yesterday. As soon as I saw it was Hawkman vs. Angel, I thought Hawkeye's going to win. Yeah. Because Hawkeye's cool at the moment, and this is just featured in the third highest grossing movie of all time. Mm. Against those odds, Angel didn't stand a chance. Yeah. To be honest with it. But it, it is very cheating how he wins. Yeah, yeah, well... The A versus X fun facts are a bit obnoxious this time round. Yeah. Um, Hawkeye's quiver contains many improbable and impractical arrows, and also some regular arrows most times. These facts are researched by exhaustively by a crack team of 70 unpaid grad students. They're not that funny this time round. No. I mean, you know, it's perfectly serviceable. Maybe they're just wearing thin. Hawkeye's took to wearing his arrows like Wolverine's claws. Yeah. Which I thought was a bit strange. And then he guts Angel... Which begs the question how Angel survived. Mm. And then Angel gets an arrow to the chest. And then on the last page we just see that a couple of bandages have apparently fixed him up. Yeah. And he's complaining that Hawkeye oh. only won because he cheated. He's with magic, so maybe she healed him up. Maybe. Oh, well, that's a possibility. Yeah. That magic healed him. Uh, I didn't like this one at all. Really? Uh, no, I, I, it's fairly evenly matched, apart from the fact that he can fly. Angel's a normal human being. But Hawkeye was played far too cocky and supernatural in this fight, and Angel hardly puts up a decent showing. Whilst it ends up being another draw, rather than a win for Hawkeye, I couldn't actually bring myself to care about this one, to be honest with you. Fair enough. Um, the art by Lionel Yu, I think, is pretty fantastic all the way through. And even though this issue takes place before issue two, the ending takes place sometime later in the main series, as you can see, uh, a certain X-Man a little differently than usual. Which one? Uh, magic. Right, because she's not been in the main series yet, has she? Yeah. Oh, she's not done anything of import? Not of anything of import. Oh, but right. when we see her in this, something big has happened. Right. Uh, the next is Black Panther versus Storm. Uh, no one wins, but the marriage became annulled. Uh, I don't really have any page-by-page page notes for this one. I knew that Panther and Storm had been married, but I never read any issues where they were a married couple. I read a Marvel Zombies one. Did you? Yeah. So... Um, it was quite a sweet story in which the fight can be read as a metaphor for the disintegration of a relationship whilst the fight itself is pretty meh the ending's quite bittersweet it was alright not the best issue of A vs X no it has to be said um, the next one is also A vs X isn't it which we go back to issue 2 with a cover by Steve McNiven who was the first fight uh, the first fight was Captain America versus Gambit. Written by Steve McNiven as well. Yeah. Well, I didn't know he was a writer as well. Maybe it was just for this. Right. Maybe it's quicker to have the artists do both. Well, maybe. Um, well, as we already know from the main issue, Cap wins. Yes, yes he does. Um, the Cap Gambit is a great little slugfest for me, but this was never in any doubt. Whilst I've never cared either way for the Raging Cajun, the day he can take out Captain America is the day I can punch out David Hay. At least we get a decisive victory in this one, with a clear win for the Super Soldier. The continuity, as we've already mentioned, is incredibly screwed up. I do like how they try and get out of it by having him say at the end, can somebody bring me a new costume? Yeah. But oh, I'm not buying any of that. That was just not, not what's his name. Mm. My, my big problem with this one was the second fight. Which was between... Spider-Man. And Colossus. And Colossus, who apparently is now the Juggernaut, yes. for some reason. Um, Spidey's dialogue's hilarious, with a lovely little nod to the writer of the first Spider-Man Juggernaut battle, when he says, time for a stern call to my agent. Uh, but 
come on. There is no way in hell Spider-Man loses to Colossus. No way. All Colossus has got going from his strength. Yeah. That's it. Whilst he may have some technical ability, he's slow and cumbersome compared to Spider-Man, who has agility, manoeuvrability and intelligence on his side. Um, Spider-Man takes out Tin Man in a heartbeat. That said, even though this is considered a Colossus victory, both combatants are still standing at the end, and I'd consider this one a draw. Again. Well, yeah, especially because Spider-Man runs away because Daredevil shows up. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Yeah. That's, I don't. Kieran Gillen wrote this one. Yeah. I'm not having that at all. Spider-Man mops the floor with Colossus in every conceivable way. Filth. Filth, I tell you. Who would win in a fight between Spider-Man and Colossus? It's no contest. Spider-Man would whip him around, chuck him into the sun. Well, maybe not the sun, possibly the sea. I don't think you could whip him around. Either way... He'd do something like... Oh, look at that conveniently placed wet concrete. Well, oh, look at they that do make jokes. Bulldozer. They do make jokes about that, don't they? Yeah. But no, in a fight between Spider-Man and Colossus, if you don't want, if Spider-Man doesn't want you to lay a finger on him, you then won't you lay won't. a finger on him. Plus, he's got offensive weapons. He's web shooters. Yeah. Colossus has got bugger all. So I'm sorry, Spider-Man wins that battle. I don't care what this issue says. He doesn't even play God powers in this. No, he doesn't. It's shocking. Uh. Next there, up, oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, is there another tie-in to cover before uh, we wrap this one up? Before we wrap this up, yes. The next one is Uncanny X-Men 12, which covers the Thing Namor rematch. Again? Oh, the rematch. Right, yeah. I've not read that yet. Um, that issue... I, I didn't know what to think of that issue when I read it. It was a, a Kieran Gillen one. Mm-hmm. But the, there was so much... It's all about Namor's little fish. And... There's this other ex-person who's all into Namor. And, and she's all like, oh, what's he like? Oh, yeah, but you're dead good. And Namor's like, ha-ha, women talking about me. This is, <laughs> this is only right. Because <laughs> Namor always has an ego. Yeah, and then he finds <laughs> out that hope isn't there by sleeping with this fish. Mm-hmm. And then that ex-person who, who's into him asks the fish, is he any good? And then she, in a fish language, just goes, oh, yeah, very. And then the other person is like, ah, right, ah, that's good. Ah, Where's the fighting? This is, after all, the sex bit. And then they have a fight, and then Namor cracks another sex joke. So, yeah. So I'm skipping over that one, then. Yeah. All right, fair enough. It's quite funny, actually. It's just when you actually stand back and think about what you just read. <laughs> then you're a bit <laughs> icky. Yeah. Um, and Wolverine and the X-Men 11 is about Wolverine and Hope before they reach the AIM base. Um, they got attacked by some scrolls and Hope died, but was reborn by uh, the Phoenix and killed all the scrolls. Right. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, that's... We're wrapping it up there. Next week we'll be covering the next chapters in Avengers vs. X-Men and A vs. X. Which will bring us to... Issue 8. Something like that. Yeah. And you'll be looking at all the tie-ins again, because, you know, you've got plenty of free time. To, no, I'm not. No, you have not. No, <laughs> I'm going to edit, edit this, do notes, and then uh, coursework. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got three shows to edit here. I did, sir. Let's do it in two. Oh, three's easier. All right, fair enough. Okay, so this one's going to be three, and then it's Michael's Hellblazer show. Oh, yeah. Which we're looking forward to immensely. I'm looking forward to what you're picking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, have to, I have to put more effort into it. Yeah, put some thought into that. How many issues? I thought if we're only doing one show, you don't want it to be on three or four. Oh, 
Four's easier. Uh, four. Okay, fair enough. I have to whittle it down from ten. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Uh, well, I'll leave Michael to work on that. We hope you all had a good, happy new year and safe. And we'll be back next week with more of the same, won't we? Mm-hmm. Alright, see you next week. Bye bye. We're just going to go listen to some ABBA and. Uh... Yeah, so we're just going to unplug in the 8 track. Yeah. And listen to some David So. Yeah. Don't give up on us, baby. D D D D D D D D D D D D D D I don't remember the words. You wouldn't have to, we were ending on. That's true, okay. See you next week. See you next week. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Make Work for Idle Hands to Do production. And all opinions expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew, and you probably shouldn't take them too seriously. All music and sound clips used in the show are for illustrative and review purposes only, and no infringement is intended. Andrew and Michael make no money from the production of this show, which is a source of much consternation. New episodes drop every Thursday over at twotruefreaks.libson.com, which is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. Old episodes of the show are also archived on the Two True Freaks internet radio feed at twotruefreaks.libson.com. If you wish to communicate with Michael or Andrew or any of the things they have discussed about on the show, you can email them at heykidscomics, all one word, at virginmedia.com. If you wish to view the covers of the comics we've talked about this week, we have a website, www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com. If you are so inclined but don't actually want to drop us an email but just wish to ask us a quick question or say hi, you can Facebook friend us. We're using Hey Kids, all one word, as the first name, and comics as the surname. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. A little love left, even so. Stay the way we are The angel and the dreamer Who sometimes plays a fool Don't give up on us, I know We can still come through Hey